Three weeks ago was our Vision Sunday, uh, when as well as looking back and celebrating some of the things which have happened in the life of the church and through the church over the course of the last year, we also looked forward. We talked about what we sensed God was inviting us to press into in the year ahead. If you've not seen that Vision Sunday, you can watch it on the Talks section of the website, or you can find it just via the Vision link. As I shared in that talk, when the senior leadership team and others got together to pray and discuss and really discern what we felt God was inviting us as a people to press into in the season ahead, there were some things with which we resonated really clearly. Firstly, we realized there was a desire to bring the church back together. It's been wonderful to rebuild connections over recent months, but the reality is that we are still recovering from being so disconnected over the course of this pandemic, and we still have a long way to go. So we sensed the need to push into connection. Being a church where members feel part of a family, where they're known, where they're loved, where they're supported through the good times, through the hard times, and where our faith can truly be lived out together in community. Secondly, we all agree that these last two years have been extremely spiritually and emotionally challenging, especially because gathering with other Christians was so massively curtailed. And that isolation was really very challenging, and it really tested people's consistent walk with the Lord. And we recognize the need to grow in our personal discipleship, to grow stronger as followers of Jesus who can weather the storms that we may find ourselves in. And we're mindful, too, that we're living in a culture and a time where the tide of general opinion on morality, on sexuality, on identity is moving quite rapidly away from the biblical view of truth. And so we sense the need to push into spiritual growth. We want to develop ways in which we can grow together as really resilient disciples, to deepen our faith, to live biblically in this culture, and to see every member of the church grow in their surrender to Jesus. And finally, we want to grow even more into being a church that partners with God in extending his kingdom, his rule and reign, his will being done on earth as it is in heaven, where each person can bring their unique gifts and personalities and circumstances, empowered by the Holy Spirit to make a real and lasting difference in this city and far, far beyond it. And so summed up, our vision for the season ahead is this. Ephesians 4.16, one body, one purpose. We're centering the vision on a verse in the Apostle Paul's letter that he wrote to the Christians in Ephesus in Turkey. And the letter's aimed primarily at Gentiles, that is, non-Jewish believers. Um, uh, yeah, non, yeah, I wonder what it says there. Yeah, non-Jewish, that's right, Christians. So in the first three chapters, Paul reminds us, reminds his readers, that through Jesus' death on the cross, we've all been reconciled with God. In the same way, Jews and Gentiles who were previously divided are unified through Jesus. And then we come to chapter 4, and Paul urges the church that since we're united in Christ with all other Christians, we should live in unity with one another. And as he does elsewhere in the Bible, Paul describes the church as a body with Jesus as the head 
And he goes on to write this. This is Ephesians 4, verse 16. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And in this season, we want to press into what it means really to live that verse out, to grow as a church which is centered around Jesus as the head of the body, that is joined and held together as we reestablish deep connections and we make space for new ones to form. We want to grow and build each other up as we deepen in our faith together. And we want, our, we want to roll up our sleeves together, each one of us playing our part, doing the stuff, extending God's kingdom together. So today we're starting a series looking at those three aspects starting with asking, what does it mean to be joined and held together? Through a person's life, they might be a member of all sorts of groups and societies, so sports teams and book clubs and the Whiskey Appreciation Society, you name it, there is a club, there is an organization for that. There's even, did you know, a UK Roundabout Appreciation Society. <laughs> if any of you are interested, you, I'm sure you can find it online. I was for a time recently a member of the Nottingham branch of the Institute of Advanced Motorcyclists. We all shared an interest in bikes and safe riding skills, and it was, it was fun to go on group rides, sometimes 20 bikes all in convoy and very disciplined and so on. Absolutely marvelous. And these kind of, these kind of groups can be fulfilling. They can be really enjoyable. People can find friendship. They can find community through them. And they can enjoy a shared interest and perhaps grow in a skill together. But this picture of the body that Paul's paints of the church describes something different to that. It describes something more. We are joined together. We are connected. We are held together. Through Jesus, we're more than just people who believe the same thing or share the same interest. We are part of something, part of a whole God's desire and design for the church is that we be as one. In another of Paul's letters, this time written to the church in Rome, he writes this in chapter 12, verse 5. He again uses this analogy of the church being a body. Verse 5, in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to each other. We live in a culture, culture which is celebrating on so many levels independence. And so on social media, you can find inspirational images that say things like, everything you need is already inside you. Go out into your day feeling really built up. Except, but if you've learned anything through this pandemic, nothing can be further from the truth. This idea that we're okay on our own can be believed by Christians too. According to Barna, that's the Christian research group, 41% of Christians said that they believe their spiritual life is entirely private. But we see from this picture of the body that the Christian faith is not a private and personal matter, something that's just between me and God. Of course, we believe that through Jesus, each one of us can have a personal and deep relationship with God the Father. But as well as that, to be a Christian is to be part of something, something bigger than ourselves. We belong to each other 
as Paul describes. We are members of the body of Christ and we're held together by every supporting ligament. Now here's a question I had to Google to understand. What is a ligament? I knew there were sinews and tendons and different things going on, but what is a ligament? Well, it turns out ligaments are the fibrous tissues which connect our bones together with other bones. I'm reminded of the old song, Dem Dry Bones, which some of you may be old enough to remember singing. I certainly grew up on it. It's a spiritual song. It was inspired by a passage in the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament, written about 100 years ago by the civil rights activists James Weldon Johnson and his brother J. Rosamond Johnson. And uh, if you haven't heard it, you really should, because the leg bone connected to the knee bone, the knee bone connected to the thigh bone, thigh bone connected to the hip bone, and on it goes. Our bones are held together by our ligaments. So for instance, according to this diagram, there are nine ligaments in the shoulder. It's a complex joint, and every one of those ligaments is vital for the shoulder to function as God designed it to. So here we have an x-ray of a healthy shoulder. All the bones are held in place with flexibility to move, but within very defined ranges of motion. That ball at the top of the bone of the upper arm, the humerus, sits neatly in the shallow socket, and then the various muscles connected by tendons to the bones give it further stability through its range of motion. That is a picture of a happy, healthy shoulder. Now, if you're in any way squeamish, you may want to look away for a moment, because I'm going to show you another x-ray. This next one is not what an x-ray technician wants to see. You don't need to be a radiographer to discern that the humerus is not any longer sitting in its socket. It's rather closer to the ribs. It is sitting in front of it. Can you make that out? It's sitting right, it's in the wrong place. This is actually my personal x-ray uh, of my dislocated shoulder many years ago when I very foolishly went bodyboarding in California after a massive storm. And I was slammed on the hard ocean floor by a seven-foot wave. Not a happy, healthy shoulder and clearly not a happy, healthy John e either. The shoulder capsule was damaged with the supporting ligament suffering stretch trauma injury as the impact wrenched my shoulder out of its socket. There, I, I had 24 lifeguards, paramedics in attendance, all the guys in red trunks, all that. There was a speedboat, there was a, a, a paramedic truck, and there was a jeeps and all sorts. I was the first of 112 people rescued off that beach that day. It was not the day to go surfing, evidently, but uh, I digress. Once the medics then put my shoulder back where it belonged, I had to wear a sling for many weeks. I had to do nine months of physiotherapy exercises every day to get my shoulder fully fit again. And it gave me a whole new appreciation of that phrase, joined and held together by every supporting ligament. Because with those supporting ligaments not doing what they were designed to do, nothing worked. Not only did the shoulder not work and could barely be moved, but the pain emanating from it disrupted my whole body. And it impacted every area of life. So I couldn't lift anything. I couldn't get dressed on my own. I couldn't drive. I couldn't even lay down on my right side to sleep for many months. When a supporting ligament in some area of the body is not joining and holding the bones together as it is designed to, the whole body suffers. Now I trust the parallel 
is fairly obvious. If the connections which bind us together in the church are not functioning as God intends, different parts of the body which should be closely connected are not. The body cannot function as God designed it to, and the whole body suffers as a result. As we emerge from the last two years, it strikes me that as a church, we've experienced a similarly traumatic impact, the impact of COVID-19. The pandemic hit society really hard. It hit the church really hard. It hit us as individuals very hard, and it hurt. And one of the effects of that impact was that in so many ways, dislocation is quite an apt description. If we stop to think for a minute about the words and phrases that we've heard countless times over the course of these last two years, the message was, come apart. Oh, and stay apart. So stay at home. Don't mix with others. Don't travel. Don't spend time with your loved ones. Isolate. When you are in the same space as others, cover your face and don't go near them. Avoid conversation. Don't shake hands. Don't hug anyone. Don't even touch them. Social distancing is crucial. Keep your distance. And while that was, of course, necessary to take these precautions to reduce the spread of a very serious virus, that has had an effect on how connected we are. Like my having to do physiotherapy for nine months to get my shoulder back to full health, rebuilding the strength of our connection is going to take effort. It's going to need our being committed to rebuilding our connection with others across the church. If each one of us are parts of the same body, then everyone who considers Trent to be their church has a part to play in this. As we think about what it means to be joined and held together, I'd really encourage you to think about what you might do to help build connections in the church. Now, I realize some of you have not come back to Sunday gatherings uh, physically because perhaps for medical reasons, uh, being in a space with so many people is not appropriate for you. And we're thrilled to be able to live stream our services and so that you can be present with us. But others of you perhaps have got into the habit of Sunday services being on a screen in your home. And I really would encourage you to come back, to be here physically if it is possible for you. Congregations have congregated. Okay? Same root word there. They've congregated on Sundays for 2,000 years. I think I'm right in saying this is the longest uh, stop to that in the whole of church history, that churches were not allowed to meet for a number of months in that period. There is a reason why God calls congregations to congregate. It's because God designed the church to connect together in worship. I was talking to someone here last Sunday who was back for the very first time in a service since the beginning of the pandemic. And they were saying that they realized that watching on a screen is just not the same as being here. They had missed it, but they got into a bit of a rut, into a bit of a habit of not coming. And then having come back in the room last Sunday, they realized just what they've been missing. Now we're back to three services. There's plenty now of room in the room for all of us. 
And also last Sunday, I was talking to someone who thanked me for still providing rows here, which is socially distanced, and that they felt safe not having people close to them. So if you want that as you come back, just mention it to one of the hosts as you come in. We've got these rows where you're, you know, like two meters from anybody. So we really would encourage you if you would like to. There are many different ways that we might build or rebuild connections together. But let me just touch on some practical suggestions. This is not by any means exhaustive, but here, just a few thoughts. So firstly, if you've not done so already, please consider joining or rejoining a small group. Small groups are where so many supportive relationships are built. And uh, Sasha, who shared her story as part of the Vision Talk three weeks ago, uh, said she, and she joined us online, and then she, she said, the, she's met through her small group. These people are no longer people who attend the same small group who I forward my prayer requests to, but friends Jesus has brought into my life. And I think that sums up well what small groups are like. They're a key place, really, where deep connections are made with others in the church. One week, your small group is helping you out with something. The next week, you're helping someone else out. And I've heard about small groups helping each other in so many ways. Someone moves house, the small group's there to help them. Organizing meal rotors if they're in hospital or they've just had a baby. Uh, you know, babysitting. All sorts of things are going on. But it's not just about practical help. You know, we journey together. We support one another through times of grief, disappointment, times of suffering. And we also celebrate together, rejoicing in each other's good news, engagements and new jobs and seeing our loved ones come to faith. If you were in a small group before the pandemic and haven't been there for a while, please would you consider re-engaging. And if you're yet to join a group, the best way to find one is to head to the Connect area or fill out a Connect form on the Connect link. Or you can email smallgroups at trentvineyard.org. If you'd like to try a group before deciding whether this is the right one for you, that's absolutely fine. And even if your life situation means that you, know, you can only go occasionally, I would still strongly encourage you to join one because then you'll be part of a group, people who know you and care for you. Secondly, we can build connections in a very simple way by praying for someone on a Sunday. So every Sunday service we have at the end, there's an opportunity to receive prayer by having a member of the church just lay a hand on you, literally or, you know, as appropriate, and metaphorically standing with you in whatever God is doing in your life. I, like many of you, have been deeply blessed by having someone pray for me at the end of a service here. I recently heard from someone who prayed from a guy during the ministry time here who had been stabbed about six months before and had been in constant pain for that time. At the time, it didn't feel like anything particular happened during the prayer, but a month later, the guy came and found the person who prayed for him and quite enthusiastically said that since being prayed for, the pain had gone and it's never come back. We praise the Lord for that. Doesn't always happen, of course, but praying for someone is such a simple way of blessing them and being part of what God is doing in their life. And you don't need special training. If you're in a small group in the life of the church, you are invited to come up here and pray 
at the front. And if you think, oh, I've never done that before, I'm terrified, I'm not quite sure what I would do, find someone perhaps in your small group who looks like they might have a clue and say, can I come with you? Could we go and pray for someone at the front today? And you might ask them what they've come up for, you know, anything I can pray into, and then pray for that. You don't have to worry about the words you're saying, you know, and kind of presenting your best joined up prayers before the Lord. Basically, you're just being a, a fellow person in the body of Christ, loving someone. And the good thing to remember is that in ministry, if nothing else, the person being prayed for goes away feeling loved. And finally, I really want to encourage you to reach out to someone who is not like you. Because relationships between people, you know, birds of a feather flocking together, that's easy and that's probably happening already. But people who are not like you, in the last 18 months we've been more, we've become aware of some invisible boundaries that divide us even in the church. And we long to be a, a church where people from every kind of different background can experience connection. Imagine the impact, and I've been going on about this for the last year, but imagine the impact if many of us connected over a meal or a coffee every so often with someone we don't know well, someone perhaps beyond our normal circle of friends, how about inviting someone who is decades younger than you are for a coffee or a meal? What about decades older than you are? Or meeting up with someone from a different ethnic or racial background? Or someone with different political views to you? If you're single, what about inviting a married couple over? If you're married, invite some single people. And over the past year, Debbie and I have been more deliberate about having meals with a variety of people from very different from our normal circle of friends. And it's been enriching, I trust for them, but certainly for us, as we've heard their stories, as we've engaged in different ethnic types of food, and it's just been a really rich experience. As I say, I've talked about this before, and I'm delighted to hear stories of many of you doing just that. So at Christmas, a number of small groups got together to organize a special party for the Farsi-speaking refugees and some of the Iranian community who attend the Trent Compassion English, English class. And they got together Christmas gifts. They made a number of Iranian dishes because they knew how much the refugees were missing their wonderful traditional cuisine. And despite knowing little of each other's language, they had a wonderful time Together, they were playing games which really broke the language barrier and brought great fun and much hilarity into the mix. Here we have people from very different backgrounds, barely even able to speak each other's language, joined and held together, enjoying one another's company. Mixing with people who are different to us is a vital part of our connecting as a whole church. And I'd really encourage you to think about how you might do that. You might even set a goal. Perhaps, could I do this once in the next month? Think of someone, invite them, have a meal or a coffee, whatever, with a view, potentially, because I trust you'll enjoy it, a view to making this more of a habit of life into the future. I just want to finish now with a powerful picture of what it means to be joined and held together. Some of you may remember the experience of British athlete Derek Redmond, he was competing in the 400-meter semi-final at the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona. And he was predicted to do well, maybe even get a medal. But after a good start to his race, at around 250 meters from the finish line, his hamstrung suddenly tore. Let's watch 
what his father, who was watching the race, did. Derek didn't get the medal that he was hoping for, but with his dad's help and with the 65,000-strong crowd on their feet cheering him on, they finished the race. And I'm struck by what his, what his father said afterwards. He said his immediate thought was, it's my job to get down there and help him. We are one body joined and held together. And as members of the body, we are there for each other there to walk with each other through the good times, through the hard times. We cannot do this alone, and God didn't design us to. And as we as a church try to repair, rebuild the connections which have been disrupted during these past two years, I'd really encourage you to consider where can I build connections with others? What is God asking me to do to help join and hold this body together?